It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. Good night, whatever the case may be, whenever you're listening to us. We do this live now for those that uh, are used to the old format and still kind of adjusting. Uh, we now are initially doing this live. And, of course, you folks that don't have time to listen in the morning, that's okay. The beautiful uh, beautiful thing about today's modern-day technology with shows such as this one you get to listen when you want to. Uh, it's it's appointment TV, appointment radio, appointment whatever is kind of falling the way of the uh, the dinosaur. In fact, one of our uh, listeners, Pete, texted me an interesting thing, JC, uh, earlier today. He said, since it's been a topic on your show, you might find this interesting. According to uh, a review of Nielsen data, broadcast and cable, i.e. linear TV, fell below 50% of total TV usage for the first time ever in July of 2023. Streaming, though, was 39% of TV usage, which was a record. Well, that's kind of the same thing um, on on the radio show front, I guess. You and I both have a background in that. We still appear on a lot of shows, but nowadays people don't have to sit in their car a certain time of day to hear the content that they want to get. And that's why we bring this to you. Yes, it is live. And yes, we are now streaming not only on every audio format and platform imaginable, but also on uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Um, You get to see our smiling faces. And you get to see uh, whatever reaction we, we might have to certain things. But somebody asked me, it, it was a very uh, nice question from a listener. He's like, let me ask you, you know, I'm looking out for you guys. What, what benefits you the most? Should I, should I watch you on YouTube? Should I listen to you on Spotify? Should, and I said, honestly, we're just happy you're, you're tuning in. Whatever you feel good with. Whatever you feel uh, good with is just fine by us we're just happy to have the thousands that tune in every week uh and we just wanted to make sure you've got every format imaginable i watch a, a lot of podcasts jc because i i don't know i just enjoy the visual medium part of it mm-hmm. do i get anything extra content wise from it not necessarily but when i when i do tune into a podcast and I've, I've listened to more than ever now if they have a video on youtube i'll watch it so uh we now offer that as well which is also a little nice uh uh, yeah. benefit for our sponsors as well. And, and eventually, I think, you know, it'd be nice to get to the point where we can get it uh, produced more like television with, uh, you know, highlights mixed in and, you know, good things like that. But uh, mm-hmm. this medium is not quite there yet. Um, and then you get into things with that, like rights and all that good stuff. But, um, oh, yeah. you know, I, I I sort of enjoy the nuance of, uh, of the viewership uh, while having to also keep in mind that probably 80% of our audience is still just listening. But uh, I kind of like to make faces and react uh, visually uh, at times and things like that. So it's it's been fun for me. 
And you never know what wardrobe uh, JC is going to wear. Yes, visor, t-shirt combo. Uh, you never know what the background's going to look like. We're all, we're both on the road a lot in different studios. Are you are you in Chicago today? No, I am in You're Studio in South Columbia today. in Columbia, South, South Carolina. Oh, yeah, yeah Studio okay. South and uh, Studio South makes me uh, actually forces me <laughs> into um, uh, standing because of the way it's set up here. So I stand, and I'm, I'm going to be standing for three hours worth of podcast greatness <laughs> today. Uh, so by the time you're on our on the Gamecock show later here in a couple hours for the Power Hour, Mike, I'm going to probably yeah. be dragging a little bit. And, uh, and it's tough because you know you mentioned the visual audience. Um, a lot of uh, on, on, on a lot of, on our other show, uh, people do watch. And yesterday they're like giving me crap. They're like, "Sit still, stand still, quit shifting." <laughs> and so I'm like, man, this is like being in the army because it's it's visually displeasing, right? So uh, that, that's, uh, if that's, you if you just did some steps the whole time, I mean, that's a workout right there. If yeah, about like, I'd be breathing heavy. I mean, I, I'm bad enough about breathing heavy into the. Well, mic, that's true. Mike. That could be that could be a problem. <laughs> I'm loving it. Be, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we we we're still working on getting you the. Uh, the primetime microphone uh that's that's on order but we're gonna we're gonna take care of that at some point as well uh today uh and, and this is a good time to remind people that you can go on to our website jcnmorgan.com <clears throat> the mailbag is there and i guess you could can they do we have a chat room on this as well but they can, they can, if they're listening online, can they chat with us or not? I'm not even sure because I'm still learning this uh, as we do it. But the main thing is I know that we can do it uh, through our mailbox, which is on jcnmorgan.com. Just hit the link, hit the mailbox, give us your name. Always like to know where you're listening to us. So if you put your hometown, that's also uh, a nice to have as well. And just go ahead and... Uh, ask your question or your comment, and we'll get to it on air in our mailbag segment. And that also would apply for our guest today, Phil Steele. We have him on every year. I go back years and years and years, and I've told the story, and I'll tell it again, how I stumbled upon Phil before anybody knew he, who he was. I owe a country music DJ down the hall from my old uh, station who was like, somebody just mailed me this. I don't know what the heck it is. You, you, you're a football guy. You take it. And, and that's how I was introduced to Phil Steele. And uh, since then, with all due respect to Lindy's and Athlon, his magazine has become kind of a Bible for college football uh, across the country. So that that much has not changed. Anyway, we'll have him on at 1030. If you have a specific question for Phil, uh, give it to us in the mailbox and we'll get to that. Before we get into the JC5 in the opening segment, I got to just uh, say what I've been watching here lately because it all uh, ties into college football. Other than the Balco doc that I saw last night, which I, I mean, I, I already knew Barry Bonds did steroids and human growth hormones. So I didn't learn a ton there. But uh, the, the, the same series, the untold series on Netflix, it's a really good documentaries. They've been doing them for a while now. And it's almost kind of replaced, I guess. I mean, it's a 30 for 30 style thing. And it, it's kind of replaced to watch sports. I don't know if anybody watches that anymore. I don't have HBO anymore. Um, but but this is, for a sports fan, This is these are really well done. Now, the Manziel one has, has caused a lot of consternation. Now, I, I will say this. it. I thought it was a little light. 
I thought it was a little rushed. It was almost as if somebody said, look, we're only giving you 60 minutes, squeeze what you can in there. And then we're done. I didn't, I didn't learn much. And, and I thought it could have been done better. And, you know, there's not much remorse from Johnny Manziel. Johnny is still Johnny in a lot of ways. It's almost like he's got that, that, uh, that grin on that, you know, what eating grin, like, Hey, I did me. And if you don't like it, that's on you. I had my fun. But what a lot of people are talking about, JC, as it always seems to come back to the uh, rough and tumble and somewhat seedy world of recruiting, is that there was the notion, and I fell into this too, I just assumed it was accurate, that that Manziel came from a ton of money and that that's where all that money came from. Yes, he did get busted getting paid to sign autographs, but a lot of people were like, well, this is not a kid who was influenced by, uh, m- you know, uh, illegal contributions from X, Y, and Z because he came from oil money. Well, that's not accurate. <laughs> he did not come from a bunch of money. He was not that kid that was, you know, the rich suburbanite. Uh, and, and so a lot of people were kind of picking up on that. And then it just kind of expands to, well, look. We can bury our heads in the sand and pretend like kids were not getting paid before NIL. But if you know any differently, uh, if you know any better, then you know kids have been getting paid in college football for years under the table. Uh, Now it's just out in the open. But uh, that one was interesting to somewhat, even though I was disappointed with, like I said, I thought it could have had more meat to it. And then the blindside story, which is not a documentary right now, but I'm sure it will be after the whole story of Michael Orr and the Tui family. And I'll just say this. I know you and I, JC, talked about it on another show. I don't know the Tuies, but I've met uh, Sean Tui because he was used to be the radio analyst for Ole Miss basketball. So I've talked to him and just tried to get some, some insight, some background on the players and team whenever I was doing one of their games. And uh, always a nice person. I never heard anything bad about him. And the thing is, this whole story about Michael Orr saying, that he was used uh, for money and it he wasn't truly adopted. And it was, uh, what do you call that, JC? A conservatorship. Conservatorship. Well, which I didn't well, even know the, that the, was until Britney Spears. Britney Spears. Yeah, we've all learned that because of Because, because of Britney. Britney. Right. But this is different. But this, this is not the Britney Spears situation. The Tuies are loaded, okay? They had millions of dollars before they ever adopted a homeless young man by the name of Michael Orr. Michael Lore, it's now coming out, and this is the, this this is the one I could kind of see coming. Michael Lore threatened to tell this you know dark side of the story if he didn't get fifteen million dollars. It's a pure shakedown, not unlike the shakedowns we see being done in this country on a regular basis these days, typically with corporations. Well, in this case, it's with a, a wealthy family. I don't know if the Tuies, you know, if, if they were great adoptive parents. I know one thing. They took the kid in when he was homeless. Like they, they, I didn't hear anything bad about their, uh, their looking after him when he was living there and, uh, you know, went to high school, had a great career, was a big time recruit, played in college and went to the NFL. In other words, they didn't need to like steal money from Michael Orr. And the, and the notion of they got rich off the blind side, that is not accurate. Uh, nobody got rich off the blind side except Hollywood, which, by the way, for me, has always been a, a very overrated movie, even with this story notwithstanding. So uh, I just thought I'd throw that out there. 
if you've been following that story, because I think every college football fan was enticed by that movie was 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 taken in. I mean, it should be a great story, and now it's turned into a somehow a fiasco. So those I are some wasn't. of the things I've been watching. I wasn't. I never trusted that situation. I'm, I, well, you I, follow the recruiting. I was there at the press conference the day he committed. Right. Uh, that was my first – Mike, I, I, I left newspapers in December of 04, got to Nashville in, in January of 05, first signing day uh, at Rivals, and uh, got sent with one Chris Childers, who you know well, yeah. uh, from the radio world, uh, over to Memphis to cover the Michael Orr press conference. And uh, I walked in the door and was like, there's no way in the world this kid's not going to Ole Miss. I mean, they're, they're, that's uh, – and that part of it always seemed a little fixed to me. Like there's this big song and dance in the movie about, Oh, where's he going to go? Where's he going to go? He was never going anywhere, but Ole Miss. And, and, I, and that's directly because of the two weeks. I don't, I don't think did they, did they put pressure on him to go to Ole Miss? Maybe not spoken. I don't know, but that always, I always kind of thought that part of it was a sham. Mm-hmm. Now, I would never question uh, these people, like you said, who are millionaires already. Uh, shake! I, I would never buy into the notion that they're, you know, shaking him down or something. And Michael Orr's had some issues, you know, through time, uh, if we remember correctly. Uh, I think in a situation in Nashville with an Uber driver that was talked about and some other stuff. I'm not saying he's wrong. I, I think a lawyer has gotten in his ear. And it is a shakedown. Uh, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. But the recruitment, that that was my first experience. You, know, you walk in there, there's all these pictures of Sean playing uh, basketball at Ole Miss in his office uh, for his 27 Taco Bells. And, and that's something people need to realize. He owned like 27 Taco Bells in Memphis. That that People are like, oh, Taco Bell, whatever. People don't realize how much money you make. Oh, you yeah. 27. If you gave me 27 Taco Bells right now, Mike, I would just I would I would be at the beach, of course. I'd be like, yeah. oh, I was like, and I'd be on the phone like, who forgot to order refritos? Get on it now, or you're fired. Bye. Bring I me said another soft margarita. shell. Damn it, not hard shell. Soft shell. <laughs> Why did the draft through close at two thirty and not three a.m. last night? Right, right. I mean, before Chick Fil A became Chick Fil A, we were all on Taco Bell. Oh, Taco I put a Bell. lot of money into Taco Bell. I tell you, I I didn't put a lot of money into it, but I ate there frequently because I'd get the two for two dollar bean burritos when I was in high school. Man, that was substance back in high school. That was a meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Good lord! I remember after football and basketball practice, you you did one of two things: you went to McDonald's or you went to Taco Bell. And if you went to Taco Bell, it was not uncommon to order five tacos, add guacamole. (laughs) <laughs> and whatever crap show dessert they had um, just to say you had dessert. And that was like, that wasn't considered unhealthy back then. That was just what you did. Dude, I, I played basketball in high school, junior high too. And you are outside of swimming all day. You're not any hungrier than you are after practicing basketball. Cause you're oh, sweating no and all, you, you hydrate and immediately it's like, I got to get something in the tank. You got to. Yeah. You lose, you burn so many calories, and so mm. you know back then all of our metabolisms were higher. And needless to say, we could get away with that. All right, uh, as usually is the case, we uh, we're we're running a little bit behind, so let's <laughs> let's get to the JC five, get to as many of them as we can before the break. Before we're joined by Phil, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, this will be really rapid fire JC five today, Micah. 
first thing I got to throw at you: what is a fair? Yeah, this is not really a rapid fire answer. What? what what's I was going to say, <laughs> what's the fair format for the playoff? I uh, and I'll narrow it down to two: should, should they stick with auto bids, um, or and just take one away from the Pac-12, or or should they just go? Top twelve teams, regardless, all at large, which is what I think the the Big Ten and SEC would prefer. I think that's what the SEC. Well, I know that's what the SEC and the Big Ten prefer because they're not in the business of being magnanimous. They're in the business of domination. Uh, that's what college athletics is, just like professional sports is. It's about domination. It's not about how can we lend a helping hand and make this more equitable. But I do believe there's still a fear of a lawsuit if they don't, if they're not a little more inclusive. And I do believe that because of that, they're going to keep some of those auto bids. Obviously, the pack with four teams at the present moment, and I still won't be surprised if they join forces with the American, not the Mountain West. Keep an eye on that. Uh, but if in its current form, you can't give. They wouldn't be able to get one of those automatic bids. I don't even know if they'd finish in the top six anyway, because the current format is, for those that don't know, the top six conference champions and the top six wild cards. So the plan was like to get the power five in and then like the best group five, whether it's the Sun Belt, whether it's the Mountain West, what have you, give them their their day in the sun. And I had no problem with that. Um, but maybe they do five, seven now. JC, maybe the yeah. top five conference champions instead of six, and you have one extra at-large team. I think that might be a, a fair compromise. Yeah, I think that's it, too. And what it did, was they wanted to avoid, like – and look, these upsets in conference championship games only seem to happen in the Big 12, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. the SEC, ACC, it never happens. Painfully but they wanted to, they wanted to avoid, like, a seven-and-five pit team beating Clemson and getting in because, obviously right. – They'd be 8-5, and five, they'd be conference champions, but they wouldn't automatically get into the playoff. And so that was a case, too. Now, what, what you're doing if you leave it at 6 is the the, the fun belt and the Mountain West and conference or, and uh, um, you know the American is almost a shoe-in every year. Uh, and that wouldn't be too fair to let two of those guys in or a, a diminished Pac-12 over the third-place SEC team because the third-place SEC team or the Big Ten team would probably mop the floor with, with that team. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think they will have to do it, but I, I'm with you. I'd go in all 12 at large is probably the preference, but probably not what's going to happen. I, Jaylen, I would just add, go, sorry, yeah, I was just, I was going to say I didn't mean to interrupt. But I was going to add one other thing that I do think they like about the current format is the added carrot at the end of conference championship games. In other words, if you already know you're in the playoff. Are you that concerned about winning that? Are you that concerned about going all in on winning your conference? Well, if it means, uh, number one, an automatic, obviously, and number two, uh, you, you know, home field or whatever the case may be, however they do it, you can add some added incentive, uh, add incentive to the, the, the overall uh, scenario for you once you get to the postseason. So I think they want to keep that in there. There's been so much talk about, why, why do we even have conference championship games? Just a moneymaker and a – they don't want to get rid of that. I mean, they, it, yes, it is a moneymaker. There's no doubt about it. The SEC cleans house on the SEC championship game, but it's also a really good event, and they want it to mean something, and they sure as heck don't want a team taking a dive or just kind of resting players like you see in bowl games, that you want to keep motivation in that. And I think 
that the format that they drew up initially helps encourage that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's uh, With all these conferences going to the top two teams now and doing away with divisions, championship weekend, Mike. Oh, it's going to be phenomenal. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. you're going to have big-time matchups across the board. I don't like the six, the one through 14 or whatever, uh, but I think I'll live with it on championship weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like just, you're going to get better matchups. I mean, bottom yeah. line, you are going to get better matchups. You mentioned, you know, the, the – the, the pits of the world sneaking in or, you know, Duke or in the ACC's had a real problem with the coastal, but, oh, it, it, but, it, but it's been, the, it's been in the big 10 and yeah, sometimes in the SEC. I mean, you talk about those Missouri teams, you talk about a couple of those Florida teams. Those were not the second best teams in the SEC. They just happened to win a much weaker division and you'll be getting rid of that. All right. We're going to blow through uh, this real quick. Jalen Milrow mm-hmm. looks like I was wrong. And most other people, Greg McElroy is probably going to be wrong. Looks like he's going to win the job at Alabama. I was wrong. Yeah, we were all wrong about it. And and look, if he can throw the football, which he has been doing well, that's dangerous, Mike, because we all saw him run against Arkansas Mm -hmm. last year. But this guy's a freak athlete. Yeah. That's the kind of guy that can come out of nowhere. And, you know, we're all sitting there talking about him in two months going, so is he on, is he top three on your Heisman ballot or is he number one? Yeah, I don't know if I look just because he won the job. I'm not convinced he's going to be the answer to what Alabama needs. Like he is not Bryce Young, he is not Tua. I'm not even sure if he's Mac Jones. I mean, I know he's faster than Mac, but I don't know if he can throw it. I mean, Mac was, I think, at the time, put together the most accurate season in the history of the sport. I don't see any of that out of Milrow, but um, there's no question he's a, a force running the ball. But you got these these young wide receivers that are ready to blossom. You know, for for them, they certainly want a guy who can who can make plays through the air. There was no sign of that last year when he was on the field. There are no signs. So he, the kid must have really improved, or or the other options just weren't that good. And that was, I mean, obviously the options weren't great to begin with when you go out of your way to get the quarterback from Notre Dame, who was okay. Um, but yeah, that that would have, I would have taken that bet and lost it. And we'll see mm-hmm. what Jalen Milrow's got. Yeah, definitely, we'll see what he's got there. All right, so we mentioned. I'm going to skip this one because we, but you mentioned that the American uh, made more sense or was probably going to happen over a Mountain West merger for the Pac-12. I don't. I don't know about like University of North Texas being, bringing a lot to the table in, in that scenario. Uh, maybe if it was the Americans' previous lineup, uh, I would think. But as a traditionalist, I'd like to see them give the other schools out west a shot. But you say American. I say American because of Mike Oresco and the TV situation, and that's mm-hmm. what it always comes down to now. It has nothing to do with uh, <laughs> geography, else. obviously. And I don't know. I mean, we could sit here and debate who's got the better group of teams, the Mountain West or the American. I mean, it would have been the American by a country mile before they were rated by the new Big 12, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, back then you had Cincinnati and UCF and Houston, and, you know, the American was, was a – it was a really strong league. Now the American looks more like the old Conference USA a, a, a bit. So – uh Oresco is a really savvy, savvy guy. It's the kind of guy that really the Pac needed instead of a Klyovkov or a Larry Scott. They might still be the Pac-12 
if they had a Mike Oresco. So that's uh, that's just where I'm putting my money right now, that if, if in fact, there's a, a merger of any kind. While we're talking about all this, of course, there's still stories all over the Internet about Stanford Cal going to the ACC, even though that hit a major snag not long ago. Uh, so a, a lot of those things are still in play. But if I were to put my money on something, and we already clarified my money is wrong on the Alabama starting quarterback, so why not? Let's lose some more money here. I would I would project a merger of, of some kind between those schools in the pack that are left with, with the American. Yeah, uh, I think the TV will win out. Yeah, Brett McMurphy reported Condoleezza Rice on behalf of Stanford and George W. Bush on behalf of yeah. SMU have contacted <laughs> the ACC uh officials to lobby for those schools and then brett goes no word if marshawn lynch is reaching out on cal's behalf <laughs> i'm just here i'd love so to I see marshawn in that room i'm just here so i don't get fined <laughs> point of proper procedure i think that cal would be a terrific addition and let me cite six reasons why on my bullet point presentation that could yeah. happen. So, all right, one more, and then we got to get to break, and then uh, deep dive into the Pac-12, and then Phil Steele coming up. By the way, if you have a mail mailbag too, we're going to rush through some of those questions in the next segment. But by the way, if you do have a mailbag question, it is on the Chief app. There is a button you can push if you download the Chief app to get into our mailbag. Notre Dame opens next week, flying across the pond in Ireland to play Navy. I think one of the things that hasn't been talked about a whole lot is Notre Dame's quarterback situation, uh, getting the the Hartman from Wake Forest uh, mm-hmm. in this year. I think that, Mike, you love quarterbacks, and, and that's a kid that's been really good for a long time at another school on a smaller stage. That's yeah. the type of guy that could be a difference maker, especially when you, you have a pretty good roster at Notre Dame, uh, that Marcus Freeman and the Irish have. Yeah, I love Sam Hartman. I mean, if, if Sam Hartman went to Alabama, I think Sam Hartman would be the guy there. Sam Hartman went to a number of places, but he chose Notre Dame. Uh, and you go back and you watch what he did at Wake Forest. And again, Wake Forest is certainly limited in overall athletes, but you wouldn't know it the way Sam Hartman uh, played the game. Uh, Notre Dame's going to win that game. It's going to be cool to see it in Ireland. I know the Dan Patrick show is going to be out there all week uh, doing their show and, and kind of um, – uh, anticipation for that. We we didn't quite get the budget for that on JC and Morgan this year. Maybe next time they play in Europe, we'll uh, we'll do the show from <laughs> from there. But uh, no, I think it. I think it's going. You know, later on we're going to talk to Phil, and I'm going to ask him. Okay, outside of the top five or six, give me a team you think could actually win the national championship. Because as much as things have, are changing in college football, the thing that's not is the cabal, uh, the insane predictability of the teams that are competing for the title versus a mammoth tier two of good teams that you know are good and you believe could win maybe nine, ten games, but you also know have no chance of winning a national championship. Um, Is Notre Dame one of those teams would be my question. Yeah, that's a very good question uh, for sure. And I don't have the answer to it. I I do know this if you're heading across the pond to watch the Irish play. It's a little bit different over in Dublin. Last year in northwestern Nebraska, they ran out of beer. And the beer lines were slow. And so what they said was, all right, free Guinness for everybody since you had to wait. And uh, apparently <laughs> that drew more cheers than the Cornhuskers losing to a terrible Northwestern team. So that was, <laughs> that's, a, that's pretty awesome when you're, the beer line's too long and, 
people are waiting too long and uh, they're just like, all right, this is on the house here. Have a, have, a, have a Guinness and a bowl of taters and cabbage. Can't so beat anyway. that. Mm-mm. Can't beat that at all. So, uh, is that all five? Did we, do we nail that all is, five? Yeah, that's it. Cause we covered the mountain West thing uh, earlier. Okay. And, uh, that was it. So that's good. All right. Fair enough. We, we, we got mailbag. Our mailbag overfloweth, Mike. Our mailbag overfloweth. I love when the mailbag overfloweth. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to Phil Steele. Uh, take a quick time out here. Stay tuned on the other side of Phil Steele, of the great Phil Steele College Football Guide. will join us. More J.C. and Morgan coming up. Mike here for Elite Roofing and Restoration. Chances are you're a homeowner. You're going to have to have that roof replaced at some point. Could be because of wind or hail damage. Could be because it's just that time the roof is old and you don't want to take any more chances. Go ahead and call Elite Roofing and Restoration. They will take terrific care of you as they have for me over the years. They provide exceptional roofing services. They offer a highly knowledgeable staff on insurance claims for roof repairs and replacements as well as an extensive catalog of materials materials, and colors to ensure your roof looks as good as it performs. So how do you do it? Well, you just start off, you can go to the website, EliteRoofingGA.com. That's EliteRoofingGA.com. Go ahead and fill out the form, get connected with the fine folks at Elite Roofing and Restoration, and they will take care of the rest for you. Elite Roofing and Restoration. Don't settle for second best. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world-renowned Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCandMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. All right, we are back. I do believe this. We are back here on JC and Morgan. Again, Phil Steele coming up at uh, 1023. Excuse me, 1023 now, coming up at 1030. I'm trying to think, JC, in my mind. Do we have time to do the, to do the deep here? Squeeze it in? I feel like I don't want to rush it. Mailbag or deep dive? Uh, I let's do mailbag. Let's go to the mailbag. Yeah, yeah, let's go to the mailbag first, because at least I can control the time on that. Sure. Uh, the, the deep dive is like it says. I took a deep dive on the remaining pack schools, learned a lot. Uh, and I think there's some interesting kind of tidbits there on those uh, four teams that are kind of left in <clears throat> limbo as we speak. Uh, this is from uh, Frank here on the mailbag. And again, you can go to jcnmorgan.com to submit yours. Frank says, who's the best pure player, regardless of team or position in college football this year? And that's a big qualifier because... 
is we know the Heisman Trophy is basically what? It's a quarterback award on a, a quarterback on a really, really good team. When's the last time somebody won a Heisman Trophy on a mediocre team? And, of course, of the last, I don't know, 15, how many have not been a quarterback? Lamar like Jackson Manziel won it. What's that? Lamar Jackson wasn't on a great team. I mean, they were – I guess they That's were true. Going. That's a – yeah, that's a that's a great selection. I mean, Lamar, I'd love to look back. I mean, they won some games now. They weren't like 500, uh, that Louisville team. They're about eight, I think eight or nine wins is what they did. They, they, they started hot, and the whole country basically gave him the Heisman midseason. Wasn't it the, the signature moment, the game at Syracuse, and he had that incredible run? And, and that was, I mean, that was like in week one or week two. Syracuse was god awful that year. Too. Well, yeah, I know, but but they didn't know that then. There was still a little hype on Syracuse. Uh, yeah. Speaking of a, a program that's in the abyss, uh, and and it just that momentum carried. And then the, if you're going to win it on a not so good team, there there, there has to be a, a pretty lackluster group of candidates exactly. to go up against. And I can't remember who finished second. The year Lamar won it, but I, I don't think it was a guy that had a magnificent year. To answer the uh, the question from Frank, here's who my guy is. It's a wide receiver. It's not a quarterback. Now, he is on a good team, but I think he'll be the best pure player in college football, much like years ago when Larry Fitzgerald was at Pitt. Um, he didn't win the Heisman, but he was the best player in college football. I'll go Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr., Marvin Harrison Jr., unlike his old man, is taller. He's about 6'4", fast as can be, runs every route, catches everything in sight. Yes, he does have NFL pedigree. I don't know if he'll be the number one pick. He probably won't because there's two stud quarterbacks that are going to go ahead of him. But I think he's the best pure player, the easiest bet to be a star at the next level, and the guy that uh, I just think at top to bottom, pure athlete, pure just performance guy marvin harrison's the best player in college football this year wow uh that's that's uh speaking of syracuse you know you 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 kind of gave him some you said they were slightly hyped and you gave him some shade yeah (laughs) and you rubbed you rubbed it in a little bit because marvin harrison jr's at ohio state right that's right Uh, and his old man was a was a was an orange um well that's when the orange were good yeah yeah, yeah yeah, uh, they have they have tradition up there, but uh, no, I, I'm going to go with Brock Bowers from Georgia. I don't disagree with that either. I I, I know it's uh, and, and look, uh, Will in, in the chat box said Marvin Harrison Jr. So kudos to Will because y'all are probably right. I to me, Brock Bowers though is if there is a tight end, you know, I mean, you don't really think about tight ends as far as best all around players, but this guy, man, he could score from anywhere on the field. He's a dominant blocker. I mean, he's good, good, really good. Like, as as much as I admire, love, and respect Rob Gronkowski uh, for the tight end he was and is, and, you know, some of these other guys that, that are really good, you're, you're, you know, uh, Brock Bowers is, is rare. And, and, yeah. and I think if you're just talking player, pound for pound, I think he may be the best. I think he's the best player in the SEC, uh, sure. no question, and I'd put him right up there with Marvin Harrison. I'm with you. I mean – I, I don't even know who I would put as the second-best tight end in college football, but whoever it is, it's not in the class of Brock Bowers. Um, and, and like I mentioned the last time we, w- we were on, the running back has been remarkably devalued, remarkably devalued in the NFL, which means everything kind of trickles down. 
it's kind of been devalued in college in that there's so many, you know, from your recruiting days, JC, there's so many stud running backs every year coming out of high school. So it's not like, oh, somebody's going to get Herschel Walker and the rest are going to get the – there's just a bunch of really, really good running backs that you see them all over the place, and you can get them. And then in the NFL, teams are drafting guys in the fifth round, and they're making Pro Bowls. Tight ends become that position that's really taken over in terms of – if you can get a highly touted tight end, that's a true difference maker. And there's not as many of them out there. And they've never been more important in NFL offenses the way they are now. They just haven't. They are. You look across the NFL landscape, and you look at how much teams are using their tight ends, and and how important they are. And so, a guy like Bowers is, is going to make a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be he's going to be drafted ahead of any run. I don't even know. We could sit here. I don't, there's not a B. John Robinson this year. I don't think that would go top ten um, or a Gibbs. I. But even if there were they'd be behind Brock Bowers because the tight end trumps the running back in terms of supply and demand and the importance in an NFL offense. That's just, that's the, the, the growing changes that we've had in the sport. Uh, and sometimes the NFL learns from college and, and sometimes college learns from the NFL, uh, but they're both intertwined. And that, that position has never been more valuable really on both fronts, especially in the NFL right now. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, you mentioned running back about 10 years ago, we started noticing that when it was like kind of the last, the last years I, I, I was doing rankings at 24 seven sports. We had one final shining year and it was the class of 2014 Leonard Fordette, Dalvin cook, Sony Michelle, wow. Nick Chubb, uh, Royce Freeman from Oregon. Uh, we all had them all five stars. Uh, there at the end, the one guy we I think we dropped was Samaj P. Ryan that played at Oklahoma. He was pretty good yeah. too in that class. That was a special <laughs> group of running backs, and mm-hmm. we just haven't seen it since. And, and look, it, it's the, the position is just not as you know not as valuable as it once was because what these NFL guys do they 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 take they take a bunch, sign them to free agency, put them on the practice squad for a couple of years. Your, your guy, your starter, he gets too expensive. But you got a guy with fresh legs that's been developed for a couple of years right behind him that may not have even been drafted, and you can plug him in and pay him less. So that's and I wondered, I wonder too, in the micromanaging of sixteen and seventeen year old hotshot athletes, if people are getting in their ear and saying, "Yeah, I know you like running back, and I know you're really good at running back, but if you want to top out at the most financially at the next level, you need to change positions." Now, and I get it. Now, a lot of these running backs are a certain mold where they don't necessarily fit at another position. Like, where else is Nick Chubb going to play? But but other guys, are their their build is, is where they could move to a wide receiver spot or maybe something on defense, like a, a, a cornerback. A shutdown corner is making more than an NFL running back. I mean, that's where we are. Shutdown corner is a much higher commodity than an NFL running back. So you figure if you've got that wiggle and loose hips and shiftiness that makes you so good at running back, why couldn't you do it at the cornerback position? Um, and if you're really, you know, if you're a taller one, who knows, maybe you morph into a tight end. Maybe you, or maybe you play uh, the role of a slot receiver. You know, the most feared receiver right now in the NFL is Tyreek Hill, and he's about 5'8". You know, you, you don't have to be 6'4 to be a really good wideout anymore. That's the other thing that's changing. Uh, 
31 minutes past the hour waiting on Phil Steele. We'll get to get to him the uh, moment we connect with Phil. And again, if you have any specific questions you can ask, you can hit the mailbag at uh, jcandmorgan.com. Uh, also coming up, we'll get into that deep dive on what's left of the pack and uh, some of the other stories that are going on. I, you have any thoughts on the Jim Harbaugh suspension that was, that now not is, that uh, I don't know what's going to happen with that. But it, it to me, it's just another sign that the NCAA has no teeth anymore. You think of that Tennessee situation, what that would have looked like 10 years ago in terms of sanctions? I mean, basically, they they just lower, they empty the barrels on the coach, which you would expect. You empty the barrels on, on the coach. Jeremy Pruitt will never coach Division One football again, nor should he. Um, but there's no bowl ban. You know, there. I understand there's some there's some um, recruiting scholarship type hits, but it's it's not just a death blow the way it would have been ten years ago. But there was even talk about Tennessee had lawyer. They lawyered up. They were ready to go. If you try and take away our bowl games we're going to take you to court and see that doesn't have a very good record in court. Not lately. They're, they're in a bit of a court slump. They don't want any part of court, which is why NIL is where it is uh, today as, as well. So when I look at the Jim Harbaugh situation and all that has to do with COVID, right? That was a, uh, uh, the, the, they had their own specific rules during COVID and there were a number of coaches that broke it. Herm Edwards and, and his staff were, were kind of leading the way there. And since Herm got fired anyway, I don't know if Arizona State's going to have the boom lowered on them. I don't even know if that's done. It's just, That just kind of vanished, like just poof uh, in the wind. So we'll keep an eye on that and keep an eye on if Jim Harbaugh actually does have to miss any time whatsoever. All right. I understand we are now joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the number one college football guide out there. It is Phil Steele joining us from his bunker, probably with 15 TVs on, getting ready for the season. Phil, how are you? We are not hearing Phil. At least I am not hearing Phil. Well, we'll see if we can get that connection going with Phil. Phil's uh, guide is out. Uh, I know in Atlanta... Everywhere I go, it's always sold out, which is a bit of a problem because I want to get it, but uh, I'm probably going to have to do what I did last year, which is order away for it because when they do get on the stands, they go quickly, but you can always go and order it. You can go to his website, uh, philsteel.com, and order your magazine. Uh, again, I mentioned this before. I stumbled upon it back in about 2000, and I want to say, oh, my gosh was it 2001? I'll have to ask Phil when that started, the first year of the magazine. But if you haven't seen it, it's just top to bottom. There's nothing oh, yeah, more awesome. chock full of material. Can you hear me? I got you. All right. Not sure, Not quite sure what happened there, Mike. That's all right. We got you now. That's the most important thing. Uh, Phil, when did you start the guide? What year was it? 1995. This is okay. the 29th year of the magazine this year. Okay, so I, I I'll tell this story one more time. Uh, right around 2001, I'm doing my sports talk show in Columbia, and your magazine. I don't know if you guys just were you know mailing out some kind of uh, uh, complimentary ones to get the word out, and it it 
a DJ of the country music station got a hold of it. He had no use for this. You, it would be like me reading a magazine on astronomy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I would I wouldn't get past the first page. He goes over and he says, "Mike, you want this?" And I was like looking at it and I saw football. I said, "Yeah," but I didn't know who you were. I didn't know what the magazine was. I was trapped in the, you know, the Wendy's Athlon world. And I started looking at it and I'm turning the pages. and I'm going, my goodness, this is unlike anything I've ever seen. And I, like many others, have been hooked ever since. So I, I, I know you've told the story before, but what was your inspiration to get this thing started back in the day? Yeah, Mike, uh, what it was, was uh, I, I think back in, uh, let's say, 1993, at this point, I was buying all the college football preview magazines that were out there. And as you know, back then, there was probably like 20 of them. And I would buy every magazine. I had my notebook and I wrote down everything I could, all the information from all the magazines. And my notebook, when I was done reading through all 20 magazines, could be basically not have a starting lineup on half the teams. Uh, I, so the, I was lacked information. I needed to start compiling the information myself. We started compiling the rosters. All of a sudden, my notebook filled up. Uh, started contacting the schools. And then in uh, what happened was in uh, 1994, someone came to my office and saw my notebook and said, why don't you turn that into a magazine? So we did that in 1995. And as you mentioned, what we did the first couple of years of the magazine was just send it out there to everybody because I felt it had more information than any other magazine. And once somebody got their hands on it, they would have to have that copy each and every year. Now here we are 29 years later, and we're by far the best-selling uh, college football preview magazine out there. Yeah, I, I can't ima imagine it's it's even that close, quite frankly. Um, I always like when I have you on to kind of start with the macro and then kind of whittle our way down specifically into conferences and whatnot. Somebody posed this question to me in kind of a different form, and I'll, I'll pose it to you. Let's say we, we take uh, the top six teams that, that have the best chance of winning a national title, and I'm just going off the top of my head. I don't care about the AP poll or the coaches poll. I'll take three from the SEC, Georgia, Bama, LSU. I'll take two from the Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan, and then I'll take my wild card. I could either go out west to Southern Cal or I could go out east and maybe Clemson if they win the ACC. Uh, that's, for me, about, about it. Who, not in that group, if you had to pick somebody, would you pick that has a legitimate chance of playing for a national title? Uh, it's too bad you picked Clemson there at the last, cause I was going to be pretty strong on Clemson. I saw a lot of folks had, uh, didn't even have Clemson in their preseason top tens this year. Uh, and I, I love what they have on the defensive line. I think it's gonna be one of the best defensive lines they've had. Uh, but outside that mix, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, let's see, I'm going to say Notre Dame. And, uh, and here's mm -hmm. the reason why I think when you look at Notre Dame schedule wise, uh, it's really nice. They get both Ohio State at home early in the year when Ohio State's got a young quarterback. They get USC at home uh, when the weather could be cold. They do have to play Clemson on the road this year, but I love the defense that they have. They have practically everybody back. Offensively, they've got one of the best offensive lines in the country. Uh, last year, they had a backup quarterback. This year, they've got Sam Hartman. It's the second year for Marcus Freeman, and last year he started out 0-3, but then went 9-1 and down the stretch and beat a whole bunch of ranked teams, including beating Clemson 35-14. They've got one of the best special teams in the country, one of the best defenses in the country, one of the best offenses. Nobody's really talking about them. I would say the Irish have a chance to be that big surprise team this year. I think a lot of people would, would agree with you on that, and they, and they have the quarterback situation very settled with a proven commodity 
in, in Sam Hartman. That That is for sure. Let's go to the SEC. And one of the things I've always liked about your guide is that it, it, it it's it's about as objective as it can be because you're you're a data in data out guy, right? I mean, you you type in all the rankings of players, you throw it in your Phil Steele uh, computer of sorts, and it kind of spits out uh, who's good and who's not. It, it's about as unemotional a prediction as it can be. So here's my question for you, based on your your player rankings and team rankings. So I mentioned those three, right? Everybody's going to pick Georgia in the East. And in the West, I think most people just assume the winner of Bama, LSU, which will be in Tuscaloosa, by the way, that that they win the West and and those two get in there. Based on your rankings, just pure objective, again, data in, data out, who's the fourth most talented team in the SEC? You know, and and this one is my number one most improved team in the country this year, and it's Texas A&M, and I've got numerous reasons behind this one. Uh, first of all, you know they've been recruiting on the level of Alabama, LSU, and Ohio State the last five years. Their classes all rank up there. And last year, they were very inexperienced and also very injury-prone, two things that hurt them and, and got them to a 5-7 and seven season. In fact, they were number 124 in my experience chart and had the second-most starts lost injury. They lost their top wide receiver, Anaya Smith, week four. They used three different starting quarterbacks and slumped to that 5-7 and seven season. But last year, when I was going over the team with Coach Jimbo Fisher, uh, and he did this on many of the units, like the offensive line, for example, he said, Phil, we're going to have one of the best offensive lines in the country next year because they were so inexperienced last year. Well, this year, they're number 14 in my experience chart. And even in that miserable season they had last year, everybody says Alabama LSU. But guess what? They beat LSU 38-23. to And against Alabama, they're at the two-yard line at the end of the game, throwing into the end zone with a chance to win it down by four points. So they proved even last year they could play with the big boys. They've got Bobby Petrino coming in. If they maintain better health, they're vastly more experienced this year. I think A&M is probably Alabama's best threat to an undefeated season this year when Bama travels to face them in College Station on October the 7th. Phil, switching to the ACC, how good is Florida State's defensive line, uh, in your opinion, as it stacks up? You mentioned Clemson's earlier, uh, but I look at the Knowles and look at the depth they've acquired and, and, and just kind of how that position overall has evolved uh, under Mike Norvell down there. Uh, how good do you think their defensive line is and how it stacks up against some of the better ones in the country? Because I think that will make a difference in who wins that conference. Yeah, and what a difference overall the year is uh, from this time last year for Mike Norvell. He was coming in off of two losing seasons and was on the hot seat. Now he's coming in with a national title contender. And I think you hit it on the head with the defensive line. I rate him number seven in the country. Jared Verse, of course, is the star. Everybody knows him. Uh, and he had a fantastic season last year. And we'll have another fantastic season this year. But they bring in a guy like Braden Fisk from Western Michigan who had um, – Six sacks for Western Michigan, a primetime pass rusher. Teams are not going to focus on him. I had him first team Mac last year. They've got Fabian Lovett. They've got Patrick Payton up front. A couple of, uh, you know, Lovett's a guy that's 328 pounds in the middle. 
Uh, he missed some games last year, but he's a dominant force. He's big and strong. Uh, Peyton on the outside is another pass rusher at 243 pounds. So I, I think they've got good depth. They go two, three deep on the D-line. A guy like Dylan Brown coming in from Rhode Island, I think, can make an impact. Uh, I, I do like this defensive line a lot. And, and overall with Florida State, this one I found surprising. And I only realized it after the magazine went to the press. Uh, I, when I do my position rankings, I'm not thinking any team or anything like that. I'm just looking at the pure position. And Florida State naturally ranks in my top units in all eight position categories. But what I found after the magazine was out of here is that in the top uh Eight or top seven categories, offense and defense, quarterback, running back, receiver, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, DB, and uh, linebacker. Uh, they actually rank in my top 15 in all seven units, which I found surprising. Talk with Phil Steele, the Phil Steele College Football Guide on newsstands. You can also order away uh, for it as well because, Phil, it, it, it doesn't stay on the stands here in Atlanta very long before they're all sold out. Obviously, that's a compliment to the guide. Uh, an email from one of our listeners, jcnmorgan.com. This is from Ricky in Atlanta. He says, Phil, outside of the top three quarterbacks or so, that would be Caleb Williams, that would be Drake May, Michael Penix. Who are some of the quarterbacks you think will have a breakout season in 2023? You know, uh, I, I can't say, uh, like for the Pac-12, that they would have breakout seasons because Bo Nix – uh, Michael Penix, uh, Cam Rising all had big seasons last year. But as far as breakout years, I'll throw a couple names out at you. And they're brand-new quarterbacks. Uh, I would have to say Carson Beck of Georgia. I think that Carson Beck, with the surrounding talent he has, uh, he's not going to be asked early in the season to go out and win games, but Georgia's going to be a double-digit favorite in each of the first 10 games this year. And he's got the talent. He's got my number one rated offensive line in front of him, my number four set of receivers, outstanding set of running backs, the defense. I think by the end of the year, uh, if he's the number one quarterback for the number one team in the country and putting up good stats, uh, he'll be somebody that, that folks are looking at. I, I'd mentioned Sam Hartman before, but once again, not really a breakout quarterback because we all know who Sam Hartman is. So the other one I'll throw out at you that uh, is going to be uh, Tyler Van Dyke, maybe a Miami of Florida. Remember last year mm -hmm. at this time, we were talking about Tyler Van Dyke, but last year he didn't have a great year. So he's under the radar, only 10 touchdowns, five interceptions. They've got a brand new offense they have with Shannon Dawson coming in. I think he fits better with the offense. He's got a better offensive line in front of him. Tyler Van Dyke might just be the quarterback we expected last year shows up this year. What a nightmare it was for for him and Miami that that, that they just want to hit the reset button. Period on the entire season that was down there uh, in South Florida. What about you mentioned Georgia? Is this again when you go on your rankings? Uh, is this the most talented team, top to bottom, or would it be last year's Georgia team, or, or you know, am I overlooking like a team from ten years ago from Alabama, or maybe an Urban Meyer Florida team? Where, where does this Georgia team rank in their quest for a three-peat, just based on pure talent rankings that you have compiled? Uh, I would put this team up with the uh, the 2021 squad. And I know 2021 they lost a game, and last year they were undefeated. But I, I thought that defense they had in 2021 was just amazing, only allowing 10 points per game, 269 yards per game. Last year, uh, their defense was rather inexperienced. They had to replace nine NFL draft picks. This year, they only, 
using air quotes on the word only, lose five NFL draft picks. They go from losing three first-round picks on the defensive line to just one this year. I think overall this is a better defense than last year, one more towards the 2021 unit. Now, they don't have Stetson Bennett at quarterback, but heading into 2001, you weren't wild about Stetson Bennett anyway. Uh, and so I think Carson Beck can have that type of season. I put him near the 2021, and and they are my favorite to uh, get that three-peat, the first one since the 1930s when the Minnesota Golden Gophers uh, accomplished that. But remember last year, they they had that struggle at Missouri. Uh, if Ohio State's field goal goes through the uprights, we're talking about Ohio State as a defending national champ. So anything can happen in college football, and that's what I love about the sport. Quick one from Big Ten Billy. Who do you got, Michigan, Ohio State? You know, I actually have Ohio State number two in my power poll and Michigan number three in my power poll. But I've got Michigan making the playoff this year, and the reason for that is the schedule. Uh, Michigan does have to play Penn State on the road, but other than that, the schedule's a piece of cake. It's my number 67 schedule in the country. Ohio State, meanwhile, has to play Notre Dame on the road with a young quarterback early. They have to play Wisconsin on the road the week after playing Penn State, and they also have to go to the big house and play Michigan, who's beat them each of the last two years. So the schedule has me slanting towards Michigan, and frankly, I think it's Jim Harbaugh's best team he's put on the field in nine years. And now that they've got two years of playoff experience under their belt, I think they're going to be a a much bigger threat in the playoff than they have been the last two years. Chris in South Carolina, what do you think the Gamecocks are looking like this year and how big a season does Spencer Rattler have? I'm bullish on Spencer Rattler. I, I love what he did at the, you know, and last year you could have a great last three games, but look what he did it against number five, Tennessee, number seven, Clemson, and that outstanding defense in Notre Dame, three big games down the stretch. I think Rattler has that type of form this year. Uh, overall, you look at South Carolina and they're only number 82 on my experience chart, 10 starters coming back. But two things I love about this or three things I love about this team. First of all, Shane Beamer. I mean, the first year is over under win total was three and a half. They got to seven last year. They shocked everybody getting eight. Uh, I think they shocked people again this year. Number two is the special teams. It's been their great equalizer, and they have my number one rated special teams in the country once again. And then number three is the schedule. They get Florida at home. They get Kentucky at home, and I think that's going to be the key. I picked them third in the East this year, which is the highest they've been picked in a while, despite the fact they only have 10 starters back. I think they get the most out of the talent on hand. Going out to the last year of the Big 12 as we know it, Phil, uh, your thoughts on Oklahoma and Brent Venables uh, in his second year, their final year in that league before they go into the SEC, and uh, how much will they improve uh, this season? Yeah, they're my number two most improved team in the country this year. Uh, Defensively, Venables runs a very complex defense. And I thought they had a little trouble adjusting to it last year. This year, they're in the second year of the system, and they brought in some great transfers like uh, Jacob Lacey coming in from Notre Dame, Rondell Boythright from Wake Forest, Desai McCullough from Indiana, Reggie Pearson from Texas Tech. Offensively, if they can keep Dylan Gabriel healthy, they'll be explosive. And then the schedule sets up really well. They avoid uh, both Kansas uh, State uh, and Baylor in the Big 12 play. They get most of the tough games at home. In fact, in Vegas right now, Oklahoma is actually favored in 11 of their 12 games. So do I think they're going to have an improved year? Yes. Do I think they get to the Big 12 title game? Even though everybody in the Big 12 is gunning for them, I say the schedule sets them up to uh, definitely get there this year. And I I did pick them number two in the Big 12. Well, while we're talking about Big 12 teams that are soon to be SEC teams, what what about Texas? Is this the year 
seems like we say that every year uh, in Austin. They, they've got a quarterback with an NFL arm. They've got some momentum going, kind of, sort of. <laughs> what what does Texas look like this year in that Big 12? You know, they're probably the one team in the Big 12 I didn't want to pick because I figured everybody's gunning for Texas. They're leaving for the SEC. They're going to get everybody's best shot, and they play the toughest schedule of the top six teams in the Big 12. They're the only one that plays each of the other five. So I didn't want to pick Texas. However, on page 138 of my magazine, and once again, these ratings I don't do, uh, I do them position by position at a time. So I'm really not even sure where I'm ranking the teams. Uh, Texas actually came up number one or tied for number one in all eight position categories in the Big 12. They do have the most talent. You look at them defensively, they had a strong defense last year. They're even better this year. All five starters back on the offensive line. One of the best receiving cores out there. And Quinn Ewers looks like a vastly improved QB this year. They're my number three surprise team. And this this might surprise you, Mike. You know, the last time that Texas was actually favored to win the Big 12 was way back in 2009. A lot of wow. folks think that they're favored to win the Big 12 every year, but it hasn't been the case. 2009, I think they can live up to that reputation this year. I, I was hesitant to put them up there, but after doing all the research and running my nine sets of power ratings through the system, uh, I did pick them number one in the Big 12. They are the most talented team. Uh so, I mean, your methodology, am I correct in saying, because uh, during this conversation, it, it, it's kind of hit me. So you rank the positions, like you, you go through and rank players, and then that formulates your team rankings, or, or is there more nuance to your team rankings compared to how you rank the positions when you when you come up with your rankings? Yeah, this GC, is interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, GC, I've got nine sets of power ratings, and uh, I my main power rating is my talent ratings, where I go through every single position on the team, and I grade them from six to ten across the board, and I compare them. Hey, I've got this team at a seven point eight. Are they really better than this seven point seven team I have? I go through it with a fine tooth comb on it. That's my main set of power ratings. My number two set of power ratings, which is very close, is based on last year's yardage and points and not just the scores of the game but also the yardage and then factored in my up downs uh when i go go through a position i i do that every year i go position by position and i grade it anywhere from minus five to plus five hey last year on the offensive line they had zero returning starters two returning stars now this year they got five starters back plus they added two transfers that's a plus five or last year they had like georgia you know let's say they had four uh nfl draft picks on the d line and this year they've got four guys that aren't even four stars or five stars that's a minus five those are rare so i I grade them anywhere in there factor them into the power ratings but i have nine different sets of power ratings and then i play it into the schedule uh the team that had the biggest discrepancy this year was texas tech where one set of power ratings called for them to go five and seven and two of them call for them to go 11 and one then i have to really scramble look at the team look at the individual games and come out with who i think is going to win it but uh it's an it's a seven month process putting this magazine together I, I like love I it. love that methodology. As someone that used to do recruiting rankings for a living, that's a that's solid methodology right there. So hats off. It, I was just a, you know, I've heard you talk about it and stuff, and that's a, that's that's good info to know, kind of how you do that. At least that's interesting to me. I, I, I yeah, I, I agree because it, it's it's a hundred percent takes any emotion bias, um, just kind of like, well, I think this because I think. It's it's just it's just it's science, right? <laughs> if it's wrong, it's well. I just went with the, what the numbers went, uh, but more often than not, it, it seems like those numbers pay off. Let, let's give the group five a little bit of love. I, I don't know if we're even going to use that designation much longer, but 
teams that are not in the traditional power conferences. I know you always have a, a list of kind of those, those type of squads and ones that we might look out for that can cause some damage this year. Yeah, and I'll I'll point out uh, four teams that I think are the prime contenders for that January one bowl spot for the the group of five. Uh, and one's going to be surprising. It's UTSA. Uh, I just love the job Jeff Trailer's doing at UTSA. Yeah. Uh, he has surprised me each of his three years he's been there. He's got a quarterback in Frank Harris that was probably around back in that 1995 magazine, Mike. You know when I did the first one. Uh, he's right. been playing college football forever. And last year he had LASIK surgery on his eyes. We saw a massive improvement. So watch out for Frank Harris. He's through for 4,000 yards last year, 32-9 ratio. He's got Cephas and Clark at receiver. I like the defense, and I love the job Trailer's doing there. Uh, and I think other teams to look at, Tulane, you cannot discount them. Uh, Willie Fritz did a great job last year, taking them from 2-10 and 10 to 12-2. and 2. You look at some of my metrics, they're saying teams that jump from 2-12 and 12 to 12-2 and 2 have a drop-off the next year. But I do like the overall talent. They've got their quarterback back in Michael Pratt. Uh, and so I think Tulane is a team that could enter into that. Out of the Mountain West, I like Boise State. And uh, this is the third year for Andy Avalos. They've got the defense. And now their biggest change has come on the offensive side of the ball. You take a look last year, their offense was more abundant in the first four games. They got rid of the offense coordinator. Their quarterback transferred. Taylor Green took over at QB. And all of a sudden, the offense was vastly improved. They've got two running backs. that I, I had a tough time picking which one to pick first team uh, all Mountain West. George Halani and Ashton Genty. One's a longtime senior. One's a, a true sophomore. They have got great running backs and a great defense. And you look at their schedule this year. If they can get past Washington, pull an upset in the opener, they would have a shot at being that team. And then a real big-time sleeper. Nobody ever talks about the MAC, But I think if you're looking for a team that's set up to maybe have a big year this year, it would be Toledo. Toledo's recruited the best in the MAC each of the last five years. They've got Taquan Finn, an exciting quarterback to watch. And last year they lost five games. But two of those were after they had already clinched the MAC West. Uh, and then they rested Finn against Bowling Green and lost. They wanted to rest Finn against Western Michigan, but the backup quarterback broke his hand and they were forced to put Finn in the game late. But then they won the MAC title game. They won their bowl game for the first time under Candle. They've got a dynamite defense. Uh, offensively, they're great across the board. 16 returning starters overall. If they get past Illinois in the opener, they got a shot at 12 and 0 this year, and that would have catch some attention. Hey, we love some November action around here. A little Wednesday night tilt between uh, the directional Michigan schools is okay in my book. Uh, wrapping things up with you, Phil, and we'll just circle back one last time to, to the SEC. A surprise team or two maybe, and then somebody has to finish last in the Western Division. Uh, the last year will have divisions. Whoever it is is actually going to be a, a pretty good football team overall, I believe, but I, it's still somebody has to be seventh in a seven-team division. So those two questions before we uh, let you jump out of here. Yeah, and uh, as far as the surprise team goes, I would go with the, the Texas A&M that I had uh, mentioned earlier. They're a vastly improved team this year. Uh, they're a team that beat LSU last year, almost beat Alabama, one play away from beating Bama, and they've got the talent level. They now have the experience level. Uh, I think they could be that uh, that big-time surprise team. Uh, picking a team last in the West, you never want to do that. And, you know, when I look at Mississippi State, <clears throat> I know they're uh, changing their coaches, uh, changing the offense up a little bit, running the football more. They are loaded talent-wise. I like the talent they have. The one thing I don't like about Mississippi State, and the reason I picked them seventh in the West, is the schedule. They host Alabama. 
and they host LSU. So they're going to be an underdog in both those games. That means the winnable games, South Carolina, Arkansas, Auburn, Texas A&M, they're all on the road. Right there, they're probably going to be an underdog in six SEC games to begin with. Uh, they get Kentucky at home and Ole Miss at home. The Ole Miss game I rate a toss-up is I think Ole Miss is loaded this year, a much more experienced team. So they could very well be an underdog in six or seven games. to a first-time head coach. Uh, those factors all had me calling in for them to pick the seventh in the West. But, I mean, it is amazing the talent level that the West has. But the schedule was the main reason. Phil, you are a national treasure. Uh, you and I have been doing this for uh, more years than I can remember. It's it's like a rite of passage to have you on before week one or even week zero of the college football season. I always feel enriched when it happens. People out there will feel enriched when they have the Phil Steele college football preview guide. If they don't have it already, how do you recommend they get it? I appreciate that, Mike. And uh, right back at you with the comments. Uh with Mississippi or with the uh, the guide, it's available only uh, at two locations this year. Different than the past. In the past, it was available at Walmart uh, and grocery stores, places like that. This year, it's exclusively Barnes and Noble and Books a Million. So, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, are your two brick and mortar stores. Or you can order online at philsteel.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-E.com. And when you go there, I'm going to charge you a shipping charge. Just mail the magazine to you. But we also give you the digital magazine for free. And with the digital magazine, that's actually updated all the way through September. We circle every player that's out for the year. Heck, Northwestern's page, we've got the head coaches, David Braun, not Pat Fitzgerald. All that's updated all the way through September with the digital version. You get them both at philsteel.com. So Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, philsteel.com. And uh, Mike, JC, I got to tell you, I, I enjoy talking to you guys each and every year. It's a lot of fun, and uh, we should do this more often, for crying out loud. We're, <laughs> hey, we're, we're in favor of that. I feel guilty asking you during the season because I know you have what? How many TVs do you have in the Phil Steel Man Cave going on on a Saturday? Yeah, right here at the office in front of my desk, I got 12 TVs. And then you got the computer next to you for one of those uh, games that's not on linear TV. So I'm usually watching 12 or 13 games at a time. A lot of Diet Mountain Dew digested in that. uh, (laughs) You're like uh, Ace Rothstein in the movie Casino, just sitting there (laughs) watching all the TVs and moving the number one way or another. Except, again, you're not specifically in the gambling world, but... If you are a gambler, it probably doesn't ha- hurt to have the Phil Steele guide either. Phil, we won't uh, take as long as we have uh, one year apart from uh, cameos. Look forward to having you on again sometime soon. And if we don't talk in the next month or so, enjoy the start of the regular season. Hey, a lot of fun, as mentioned, talking football with you guys. Thanks for having me on today. Thank you, Phil. Great job as always. Phil Steele, the best college football magazine. I say that completely unsolicited uh, it just, it just simply is. I, I hope eventually somebody actually does provide a little competition. I'd love to have two magazines that, uh, I really enjoy, but as of right now, it's Phil Steele and then it's whatever I find on the internet. JC, JC and Morgan, JC and Morgan, the magazine. Oh, now, now you're on to something. Now you're <laughs> on to something. See, yeah. when you stand, you come up with the best ideas. No, this the, is good the blood, you. the blood flows great. Right. Right. Yeah. That's it. But now J.C. Morgan, the magazine, but, you know, like I've got all this time on my hands, Mike. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm yeah. Sure. yeah, when you're not so, gallivanting from uh, one city and state yeah, to another. I, I, and, yeah. I, I, could, I could do a 150,000 word magazine and sure. have, watch every game like Phil does. and, and hey, Why not? Now, I, I was interested in the method, methodology. I like that. I like what he does. I figured that. you I, would. That's right up your alley because I, you lived it. Yeah, and, and I wish we would have done recruiting. I wish, especially today, 
I wish they would do recruiting rankings a little bit more thorough like that. Um, right. And combine those. And that way you could point to, okay, this is what we're, this is why we did this and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish that when I, when I was ranking guys, I wish I'd have done that too. I probably would have yeah. a little bit better ranking. So. Well. Something, something, to, something to think about, something to look forward to in the magazine uh, does come out. JC and Morgan, the guide. All right, we got to take guide. one quick final timeout. We'll come back. Uh, more JC and Morgan on the other side. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in the Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Back with you here on JC and Morgan. Hey, I do want to remind folks, I know that from the uh, people that are tuning in on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, you see that number scrolling at the bottom. One of our proud sponsors, Elite, Elite Roofing and Restoration. Uh, it is an Atlanta phone number, but they are not just a, a Georgia business. Uh, those of you in Florida, South Carolina, all the neighboring southern states. In fact, uh, Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing started in South Carolina, now is in Atlanta. And it's the same great results and great service that you can find no matter what part of the country you live in. I've had him work on uh, roofs more times uh, than I care to to remember, but it's something you just have to deal with. If you're in Atlanta, you had a hailstorm a few weeks ago. Yeah, chances are you've got damage on your roof, even if you don't know it. It's a free evaluation, so just call them, uh, 678-781-1998. I know people in South Carolina. If you're up and down the East Coast, you've probably had some pretty uh, bad pockets of weather. And that very often does damage to your roof, which if you don't t- take care of it or have it replaced, uh, it's going to cause major, major problems down the road. And most of it's going to be covered by your insurance anyway. So 678-781-1998. You can also go uh, to their website as well. Type in your information. Get a free uh, quote there, eliteroofingga.com. And again, that is for people throughout the South, not just uh, Atlanta or the state of Georgia. Jeremy Johnson and company will do a great job taking care of you. Yeah. All right. I'd like to go ahead. I just wanted to throw out uh, another sponsor here. Uh, and, and you know this guy, you, you called his baseball games when he was a pitcher at South Carolina Forest, Beverly, Beverly Holmes in Myrtle Beach. Outstanding ah. builders. If you're looking to retire maybe to the coast and build your forever home down there. Uh, I highly encourage you to get on beverlyhomes.com. Check out their fine craftsmanship. Uh, boy, if I had a couple million in the bank, uh, I would definitely have this guy build my, my dream home. And one day I will. So beverlyhomes.com <laughs> appreciate their, their sponsorship uh, of, of my appearance here on the JC Morgan podcast. There we go. All right. So we have time for a little deep dive action before we sign off. I, maybe, maybe not. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm That's good up to Phil. Go. I, 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 I think the other, the other show has started. So it's, uh, it's okay, a, so the, we're good. We got Perry Ortho and, and JB having a conversation right. there. I love technology. There we go. So let's roll. Let's roll. That's a good, good, good time to mention we're part of the Chief app, which has multiple shows. And so yeah. uh, literally we have simultaneous shows going on right now. Check out the Chief app. Again, it's free. And again, you can enjoy uh, our show and some others on there as well, including one that Mr. J.C. Sherbert is a part of each 
and every day. So I thought this was interesting because, look, no matter what you think or maybe you're just completely apathetic about everything that is out west, I get it. Like, like a lot of people that are listening right now could care less about the future of Cal football or Stanford football. I have a soft spot in my heart for Oregon State and Washington State. I just think they're those are those are part of the fabric of college football. Like it, it's those type of programs and stories uh, are what make college football unique. It's not just the power programs that we talk about competing for a national championship every year. It's not just teams from the two major conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten. JC, you and I are, are wrapped up in an SEC background for much of our natural-born lives. There's, there's no doubt that we love uh, that conference, but we don't root for the demise of everything else, right? I mean, we're not – this is not like uh, – world domination and a game of risk where you're just trying to move your armies all over the the board and take over everything. So I think of a program like like Oregon State who's led by a, a head coach that's going to get another job here soon. Uh, if you haven't heard of Jonathan Smith, remember the name. He's done a really good job and I think they're they're poised to have another really good season under Jonathan Smith and it was kind of lost in the fog uh last year because again they play in the pack and the pack doesn't uh, do a whole lot of uh good things even when they are uh, full of 12 teams but you know they went on they they went to the Las Vegas bowl they whopped uh, the Gators last year 30 to 3 they've got a new state i mean they just put all this money into their stadium like tens of millions of dollars and they could they could be in the Pac-12 championship game like it would not surprise me if that happened this season uh corvallis is a unique place oregon state is a unique program like they're not just some oh oregon state's worthless i mean they've had really good coaches over the years tommy pro throw if you go back to the 60s uh i I didn't know this joe avizano was a head coach there he was a longtime special teams coach of the dallas cowboys Dennis Erickson, of course. Dennis Erickson was the head coach of three different Pac-12, 10, 8, whatever it was, teams and was successful at all three. Uh, he, of course, led Oregon State to a Fiesta Bowl back in 2000. Mike Riley had great success at Oregon State. And now I just mentioned uh, Jonathan Smith. You know, I mean, there is, there's a lot of pride in history. Terry Baker. Terry Baker won the Heisman Trophy in 62. I bet you to. I bet you didn't know that, JC. A little spurrier. Uh, Terry Baker, I, you know, he was right before me. And when I won I, it in 66 was, as a Gator. I was at uh, Scientific uh, High School in Scientific. Johnson State of Tennessee when uh, Baker was lighting it up and winning the Heisman and the and the Maxwell and every other award. Uh, so yeah, Terry. <laughs> so, I mean, they, like, they've, they've got history there. And they've got tradition there, and I, like I don't want to see all of a sudden they're completely done. You know, when you talk about Washington State, I mean, we talked about the guy that uh, is always there with the flag, JC, representing. God, yeah, what's he? Yeah, doing? the Cougars. Um, they're in Pullman, which is in the middle of nowhere. They've yes. been in the pack since 1962. Yeah, they've been to 18 bowl games. They claim a national title in 1915, but they won the pack in 97. You know, we had Ryan Leaf, of course, on our show, and uh, he was part of that that great those great years with Mike Price. They won the pack in 
2002. Mike Leach had a great stretch of time there. They also had Dennis Erickson coaching that program. Uh, the, the Nick Rolovich thing, that's a whole other – that's a 30 for 30, that how that weird. ended. Yeah, that they, was, they had they, they hired a terrible coach from Montana or somewhere at one point too. He Wolf, he didn't work out. And, oh, Paul, Paul, yeah, Wolf, Paul yeah. Wolf was terrible. He went nine and forty. He had an eighteen percent winning percentage from two thousand eight to two thousand eleven. You're right that that did not go very well at all. But I mean, Mike Price had it rolling before he took the Alabama job, and uh, you know, Washington State has been. Just a kind of a feel-good story for years and years and years. Ryan Leaf, Drew Bledsoe. I mean, they've had some some really talented players roll through there. And you've got Cal. I did not know this at all. Cal, which began play in 1886, won five recognized national titles. 20, 21, 22, 23. They four-peated at Cal. And they won 14 conference championships, the last one in 06. And uh, Bruce Bruce Snyder coached there and uh, got that thing going. I remember they played Clemson in the Citrus Bowl in 1991, and they were like, "Why is Cal coming to Orlando to play?" Because that was during that play period the ACC champ went to the Citrus Bowl. They beat the crap out of Clemson, <laughs> yeah. and and every now and then Cal will, will will jump up and bite people and stuff. And uh, then, then one of the biggest pieces of college football history is is the game between Stanford and Cal. Absolutely. When Cal returns the kick and the, and the Stanford bands on the field. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he could get by with this today. He'd probably you know, have charges filed against him or whatever. But the, the, the returner for Cal gets in the end zone and just decks a trumpet player like with yes. the ball. Like, boom! <laughs> and who among us does not like does not enjoy watching the trombone player get his, right? Exactly. Well, yeah. But, I mean, he may have been a nice guy. I don't know. I've had bad experiences with trombone players. Very cocky, (laughs) arrogant. Arrogant. You know, they always get the hot girl. You know, typical trombone uh, player stereotypes. Think of some of these coaches. Marv Levy, the the (laughs) Buffalo Bills coach, coached Cal for four years in the 60s. Okay. Joe Cap, legendary quarterback, coached in the 80s. Bruce Snyder, Steve Mariucci who then went on to go on to the, the, the NFL and the 49ers. Jeff Tedford, for 11 years, was kind of known as a quarterback guru. Uh, Sonny Dykes did not have Aaron, the most success there, but obviously we know what he's doing now. Go ahead. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and Jared Goff. Played and Marshawn Lynch. But yes, Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, I mean, they've had, they've had players. They've had memorable moments. Um, a, a lot of pro- – proud history and tradition and then the one i think that a lot of people are still just scratching their head going okay how does this happen to a school with so much going for it whether it's geography in palo alto which if you've been it's beautiful if you can afford it uh they're good in seemingly every sport for a time they were really good in football they went to like three rose bowls not that long ago they were in a final four not that long ago They've had all kinds of athletes from Tiger Woods to John Elway to Andrew Luck. I mean, you go on and on and on on the list of elite athletes that come out of Stanford is who I'm talking about. And who have they had coaching 
Well, how about John Elway's dad, Jack? How about Bill Walsh? How about Pop Warner in the 1920s? Uh, Jim Harbaugh, uh, Tyrone Willingham, and David Shaw, who, again, you want to talk about guys I would have been wrong about. When we first started doing this podcast, uh, I was on the David Shaw bandwagon to the NFL. Well, he's covering the NFL, he, all right. He's He's got a microphone, and he's covering it on the NFL Network. Uh, for some reason, it just completely, after all these – he went to three Rose Bowls in four years – in fact, he didn't just go. He won two out of three, and then the bottom fell out for David Shaw, and the bottom fell out for Stanford, and now they might be an independent because nobody seems to really want the Stanford Cardinal. Just thought it would be interesting to go back and, and do a deep dive on some of these packed schools that are now uh, in danger of being orphans. I'm going to issue a warning to the fans of the Blue Blood schools out there, and I know there are many that listen to this. Be careful what you wish for. You know, you're sitting there laughing at Oregon State. What you need, Oregon State and Washington State, and right. schools that have less resources. Because guess what? If it's the NFL, your your tradition and and winning history and all the crap you talk about all the time that oh the fabric of this program and all that, it means exactly dung, nothing. Because guess what? Look at the look at the NFL franchises. Uh, the Cleveland Browns have a great tradition. At some point, people got really passionate about them, just like Tennessee or Alabama or Michigan or Ohio State. They're one of the worst franchises, wins and losses wise, both versions ever. Look at the Chicago Cubs in baseball. Look how long the Boston Red Sox took to win a World Series. You start dealing with, okay, everybody's on even playing field resource and tradition-wise, and that's, those are the guys you're playing every year, and you break off into this other super division or whatever, like Stuart, uh, what's this, Stuart Mandel was talking about the other day, mm-hmm. the, the, the Elite 28. Best of luck, gentlemen, because you better start getting used to, if you're Texas or Oklahoma or L- anybody, Alabama, you better start getting used to – Six and five, seven and six, and it being that a is, good year. Can, that is can, so. Yeah, that is so well put. That is so well put. Uh, I, here's the way I think about it. It's kind of a sobering thought uh, as we kind of get ready to wrap up this installment of JC and Morgan. The the people that run these conferences as they're adding schools, and I don't think anybody believes we're done yet, right? especially if a couple of programs can get out of their ACC grant and rights deal at some point. Florida State was talking a lot of noise, but nothing has happened. But maybe someday they do figure it out, or maybe someday they find their sugar daddy that, that pays off that $120 million to get out of Dodge. Maybe, maybe there's uh, an agreement among people to uh, change all that situation that clearly is, is uh, uncomfortable <laughs> for a number of people. Think about this. We are getting rid of divisions after this year. You will no longer know divisions. There will be no longer. You won't be looking at standings and going, "Hey, we're third in the East, or we're we're second in the West, and we're third in the North, and we're fifth in the South." That's all going to be done. That's going to be history. Why does that mean anything? Well, the people that run these conferences, they're all about get, getting brands and and getting more power and 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 you know. 
we're the strongest conference because we've got the most powerful programs. And when you're in those leagues, you're kind of initially, I think your reaction, JC, is, well, yeah, yeah, we're even better than we were before. We are the best league in college football. That's great if you're at the top. But when you're in the middle, which is what most programs have to, I don't want to say settle for, but almost strive for, because this is where you are. You, it's hard to overturn 100 years of the way things have been. When you think about it, the teams at the very top, I realize like Georgia went 40-something years without a national championship, but they've always been that volcano program waiting to erupt. Uh, Alabama's always been Alabama. Michigan, Ohio State have always been them. Southern Cal's always been And then LSU, again, if you hired the right coach, LSU, there's no excuse for LSU not to be competing for national titles on the reg. But if you're one of those programs that is like eight wins is a good season, which is the overwhelming majority, before you could go eight and four and say, look at us, we, we were finished second in our division. Now you, if you're in one of those power leagues, you can look at it and say, look at us, we won eight games, and we're in ninth or tenth place. Nice. It's, it's a little sobering when you look at the standings and that's where you are compared to when you're in a division and you can say, hey, we're right there near the top. So yeah. as, as all this stuff changes, JC, and people are kind of like, I don't even know how to feel about all this, just keep that in mind. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you need the middling programs. You need that, guys. I mean, if you're, you know, I, I, there's some power. There's, there's a lot of Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan, even Clemson fans that are like enthusiastically wanting to break away in this 2018 Super League. I think primarily so they can, you know, rub it in their rivals' face on on the on the internet. You know, <laughs> I think that's I think that motivates a lot of these people. Without yeah, thinking. that's right. No, there's no. Well, doubt. okay, great. So you got the top 28 up there. You're going to have some programs that do not tolerate 500 seasons, much less losing seasons, going in the tank for decades, okay? Mm. Decades. Because somebody's got to lose. Somebody's got to finish last. And these programs they're talking about, I mean, TV will – people want to talk about what will will ruin the sport. That will ruin the sport. If it gets that – you know, talking 28, 30 team exclusive and the big 10 and sec get together and say, we're just going to take the top 28 brands and have, play it like premier league or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's everybody else. The, the, the you know, fine, go, go. At that point it's semi pro football and it's going to be a lot less enjoyable for some of these programs that, like I said, they don't tolerate losing four. They fire coaches after eight and four. Mm-hmm. Well, what's going to happen when they go on like, I mean, they're just not used to it. These people that think that, you know, they you know, we've got the best, all the tradition and all that. Again, I'll remind you, there are a ton of pro franchises of a lot of tradition. That means jack squat when you're when you when you slice it down to elite of the elite. And that's and, and you're in that exclusive club. You know, college football powerhouse programs need Washington State and Oregon State. They need those schools. You know, they don't always beat them. Sometimes they'll, you know, but they need those schools that have less resources that are still enthusiastic about the sport uh, in order to keep up their, you know, winning tradition uh, or all That's that. Right. Otherwise, like I said, man, go. it's sad to think if, if you're an Auburn fan and you, you won a national title in 2010 and played for one in 2013 and almost played for one in 2017, that if you go to a top 28 type of deal, you're probably about 27th. 
and probably dropping because <laughs> you're going to go four and eight, three and nine, whatever. Uh, and it could be a hundred years, just like the Cubs and Red Sox, <laughs> before you taste sweet victory again. Yeah, and again, for some people who want just the top twelve teams in the playoff with no conference champions, um, you might find yourself look watching that playoff on TV for a hundred years and never being a part of it because that would that would eliminate an opportunity for a lot of those teams in that again that that tier two uh that that not the powerhouse uh man what a show again thanks to phil Steele. thanks to all of you tuning in your emails the mailbag again can always be caught at uh jcnmorgan.com we encourage you to uh frequent our uh, sponsors mention elite roofing and restoration palmetto medicare palmetto-medicare.com if you're looking for the best uh, medicare plan for you your family blue delta jeans the most comfortable jeans on the planet uh, and if you're nursing any type of injuries at all the folks at synergy they are miracle workers over there led by michael hatrack and company as well JC, it's been fun. Again, remind the folks where they can catch us if they're new to the podcast. Yeah, download Chief App, Chief App, Chief App, Chief App. Uh, even if you're, you know, it's it's. We have a South Carolina show that's on it as well. We have actually a line on possibly another college football show like Mike and I do. That's kind of structured around point spreads and stuff like that. Now that's. Uh, I hope I'm not giving away any kind of state secrets. It's not a done deal yet. <laughs> But uh, like I mentioned, we are adding content. If you enjoy uh, sports content, especially for college sports, uh, please download Chief App. It won't cost you anything, uh, and you get to know every time Mike and I go on live and help us grow together uh, and all that. So that's uh, and plus, if you travel around the state of South Carolina at all, uh, and even throughout the Southeast, and you know we have partners and stuff that certainly uh, are worthy uh, for you to patronize. So Chief App. Also at JC and Morgan on Twitter, uh, JC and Morgan Pod on Instagram. We have a Facebook page, JC and Morgan. Uh, he's at Morgan on Air on Twitter. I'm at JC Sherbert. So you, you can find us pretty easily. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, go back uh, if you're just new to the podcast. Go back because uh, we have an archive uh, throughout the summer. We have all these great guests, and they're really yeah. timeless interviews. They, they really aren't. True. It's not something where you're going to go. That's old news or whatever. So uh, that's be right. Sure that's to a great check point. That out. Yeah. yeah, it's a great point. If you're at the beach or something and you want to like, hey, I want to hear what Greg McElroy had to say. I want to hear what Tim Couch had to say about his career in the SEC. Uh, those are uh, not not time sensitive at all. And they're all archived again uh, on the website or on Spotify or whatever uh, menu or venue you try to uh, listen slash watch us. Great job as always, JC. Appreciate it. We'll be back with you on a regular day Tuesday. We might even start expanding a little bit during the season. We'll see. We'll see because uh, I know the demand is out there for us to do more than one of these a week, and uh, you know we'll, we'll take it as it comes, so to speak. But until then, uh, for JC Sherbert, our terrific producer, Phil Molinax, and, of course, everybody out there, too.